Holy Spirit is in this place. Come on, are you ready to worship Crossroads? Are you ready to believe God for a miracle? Are you ready to believe that this is a season of miracles? This is what the Lord is saying. This is a season of miracles. Now, are you ready for that? You know what? The Lord is bringing us into living out his word. A lot of times we've been people who have read his word, but we haven't wanted to live out his word. And we're stepping into a season where the Lord is going to bring about miracles in our lives. He wants us to know him in a more intimate way. And when we experience miracles, we know him in that more intimate way. And I declare and decree over this house, this is a season for miracles. This is a season for miracles. And the dry bones shall live. Now, you're going to have to believe it. You're going to have to believe it. Right now, we're going to pray over this house. Today, the Lord is declaring over this house miracles. We're stepping into a season of miracles. We're stepping into a season of intimacy with God in such a way that we're going to experience the supernatural power of God. Where we have come to the end of ourselves. Where we've come to the end of our resources. Where we've come to the end of our self-sufficiency. Where we've come to the end of our own trying to resolve it the Lord says I'm going to take over I'm going to take over I'm going to take over some of us we try to get out of needing a miracle we try to wiggle out of it we've tried to squeeze out of it and the Lord says I brought you to the brink of a miracle I've brought you to the brink of a miracle don't fear don't fear believe me believe what I say come on it's time for you to prophesy to those dry bones right now the Lord says, you want to hear the bones rattle? Then Ezekiel prophesy to those bones. Ezekiel prophesy to those bones. And he says in your name, he says, David prophesy to those dry bones. He says, Marsha prophesy to those dry bones. He says, Fred prophesy to those dry bones. He says, Rebecca prophesy to those dry bones. Come on, let's start prophesying to those dry bones. You want to see those dry bones live? Prophesy! Come on, we're going to see those bones. Come in to a great army. Come on. You know what? This is what the scripture said. So I prophesied as he commanded me. So I prophesied as he commanded me. Come on. You're going to have to open up your mouths, people. You're going to have to start prophesying. Some of us want to wish things away. Oh, if it would just only go away. And the Lord says, step in. Get involved in this. Don't you see? The people of God need to get involved in this. Prophesy as I have commanded you. Prophesy as I command. Why does he say that? Because he wants our faith to be involved. See, when we prophesy, that means we're declaring something to be that we have not yet seen yet. And that is our faith. For faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And the Lord responds to our faith. The Lord responds to our faith. We've got problems on every side. Yes. We've got problems on the right. We've got problems on the left. We've got problems behind us. We got problems before us. It sounds to me like we are like the Israelites leaving Egypt. And we have the problem of the Red 
see. But the Lord says, but the Lord says, but the Lord says, I am able. I am able. I am able. Are you ready to obey? Are you ready to prophesy? Are you ready to see the work of the miraculous God? Come on, people. This isn't entertainment. This isn't a church service. This is an encounter. This is an encounter in the presence of the Lord. We're in the presence of the Lord. We're in the presence of the Almighty God. We're in the presence of the God who is a God of signs, wonders, healings, miracles. We're in his presence right now. My God is able to save Come on. and deliver again and restore anything yes. that he wants to. Just as the man who was thrown on the bones of Elijah, if there's anything that he can do, just as the stone that was rolled at the tomb in the garden was Make the dead man walk again. 
Make a dead man walk again. Open the grave, I'm coming out. I'm gonna live, gonna live again. Open the grave, I'm coming out. I'm gonna live, gonna live again. Open the grave, I'm coming out. I'm gonna live, gonna live again. This is the sound of a dry bones rattling.
to save and deliver and heal and restore anything that he wants to just ask the man that was thrown on the bones of Elijah if there's anything that he can do can do just ask the stone that was rolled at the tomb and the garden what happens when God he says move I feel a Praise, make a dead man walk again. Open the grave, I'm coming out. I'm gonna live, gonna live again. Open the grave, I'm coming out. I'm gonna live, gonna live again. Open the grave, I'm coming out. I'm gonna live, gonna live again. This is the sound of the dry bones rattling. This is the sound of the dry bones rattling. This is the sound of the dry bones rattling. This is the sound of the dry bones rattling. This is the sound of the dry bones rattling. This is the sound of the dry bones rattling. This is the sound of the dry bones rattling. Our expectation, our faith increase, our faith increase, and our boldness, yes, our boldness, our expectation, our expectation. I'm going to ask for the impossible, I'm going to ask for the impossible, there's nothing, nothing. Nothing is impossible for my God. My God is able to save and deliver and heal and restore anything that he wants to. Just as the man that was thrown on the bones of Elijah, if there's anything that he can't do, just ask the stone that was rolled at the tomb in the garden. What happens when God says to move? I feel him moving in now. I feel him doing it now. I feel him doing it now. Doing now. Doing now. This is the sound of the dry bones rattling. This is the praise make a dead man walk again. Open the grave, I'm coming out. I'm gonna live, gonna live again. Open the grave, I'm coming out. I'm gonna live, gonna live again. Open the grave, I'm coming out. I'm gonna live, gonna live again. This is the sound of the dry bones rattling. Bones in the word of the Lord. Live, live, live. Drop bones in the word of the Lord. Live, live, live. 
nothing impossible for him. No quarantine, no virus, no fire. Nothing is impossible for him. We sing live, dead man live, inner man live, spirit So speak, live over yourself, live. You know, the Lord is speaking to me a word. And one of the greatest chains that the Lord broke was the chain over Israel by the Egyptians. And it was interesting because it took quite a few plagues to break that chain. That the Lord God Almighty sent plagues over Egypt so that his people would be freed from the Pharaoh and the Egyptians. But let me tell you something. The Lord could have done it without the plagues. He could have freed them without ever having the plagues but why did God send the plagues because he wanted to show forth his power and he wanted to write a history for Israel see we talk about the plagues even today and later when Israel is freed and they're in the desert and they finally go in to the promised land and as the two spies go and they talk to Rahab in the book of Joshua as they're going to go take Jericho, Rahab tells them something. Now listen, Israel's been in the desert for 40 years. That's been 40 years since the plagues have been sent. But Rahab, 40 years later, tells these two spies, we've heard of your God. We've heard about your God and what he did to the Egyptians. I'm telling you, the Lord's writing a resume in your life <laughs> he's writing something in your history so that people say I've heard about your God I've heard what he's done for you the next generation says I've heard mom and dad about your God grandma and grandpa I heard about what God did for you how he opened up the door how he gave you that house how he gave you that ministry how he healed you from cancer and the Lord is writing a resume see this is the thing people we live God's Word we don't just talk about it we live it we live it there is power in the name of Jesus for 220 there's power there's power there's power right now in this season right now in your life whatever God is allowing there's power and he wants to break the chains so that people say I've heard about your God he's powerful he's powerful he's powerful in the name of Jesus come on to break every what every chain come on every chain right now right now Power, power of God. 
yourself in our lives. Miracles, miracles, miracles. Come on, worship team. Break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. Part of the way the Lord does miracles is he breaks chains. He's a chain breaker. And I said at the beginning that the Lord is bringing us into a season of miracles. A season of miracles sometimes we fight God on because we don't really want to have to need a miracle. We'd rather use our own self-sufficiency, thank you very much. It saves us from the feelings of desperation. That feeling of desperation that unless God comes through, I'm going to fail. It's interesting because we want to reject, it's our flesh that wants to reject the need for a miracle. See, because in a miracle, that's when God takes over. That's when God takes over. I call it that spiritual bungee jumping. You know, when you just say, you know what, if I'm going to jump, I'm going to jump. But unless something's going to catch me, I'm in trouble. And that's kind of what a miracle need is like. But you know what? Miracles are central to our relationship with the Lord. Miracles are central to our relationship with the Lord. And he is saying that I am bringing you into a new level of season for miracles. Signs, wonders, miracles. See, a miracle points to the power of God. A miracle is a sign that points to, see, my God is powerful. As long as we remain in our self-sufficiency, it means only merely a religion or only merely a philosophy. But a miracle brings it out from within us to an external expression. You know, the Lord is actually unleashing his children in this hour from having a private faith to having a public faith. We've had, and I'm not, I'm talking about, you know, Americans, well, my faith is private. You know what? The Lord doesn't want your faith to be private, by the way. (laughs) He wants it to be public. So he says, you need a miracle because my miracles bring your faith to the external. So the Lord says, this is a season of miracles, but he wants you to know there's a difference between magical thinking and miracle thinking. He really brought this clear to me as I was praying this morning. Magical thinking versus miracle thinking. What's magical thinking? Let me just tell you, and I've talked to a lot of Christians who have magical thinking. They want God to rescue them out of something, but they're not willing to obey God. Whoa. They're not willing to do what God tells them to do. And a lot of times this means that they're supposed to address something that they're unwilling to address in their camp. And that's magical thinking because the fact is this, with miracle thinking, obedience is required. Did you know that for a miracle to happen, you have to obey God? And guess what? I'm going to give you a ton of examples. The common denominator in a miracle is obedience by the human. The human is willing to obey. They put down their pride, they put down their self-sufficiency, they put down what they think should happen, and they obey God. Let's look at the examples here. Elijah, 1 Kings 17, verse 16. He tells the widow, go get the last of your grain and oil. 
She does so. See, if she hadn't done so, miracle not happening. First Kings 17, 16 says, The jar of flour was not exhausted, and the jug of oil did not run dry. Why? Because she obeyed. Because she did it. Elisha, 2 Kings chapter 4. The woman who was the wife of the son of a prophet has debts. And he says to her, go get as many jars as you can get. Then go close the door and start pouring the oil into the, into the jars, into the vessels. And as she kept pouring, the oil kept coming because she obeyed. She could have got, just went and got one. She could have said, I'm tired of doing this. I'd rather it done somewhere else. You know, I don't really want to do it this way. But the miracle couldn't happen unless she obeyed. Elisha again with the man Naaman, 2 Kings 5, says this. He tells this man who is a prominent man, a Syrian, who is full of leprosy, who is very proud. He says, go dip in the Jordan. Now, the Jordan was some dirty river. And Naaman even indicates, how dare he tell me to dip in a dirty river? And this little servant girl, the Israelite that was a slave in his household says, but Naaman, if he would have asked you to do a great thing, you would have done it. Now go do it. And so he goes and he obeys what the prophet asked him to do. And what happens? His skin is restored just as a baby's skin. What about Moses? I just talked about them going and being caught between the Egyptians and the Red Sea. And this is what it says. See, because Moses has to obey in order to see a miracle. Exodus 14, verse 13 says this. Moses stretched, this is what the Lord says. Moses, stretch out your hand over the Red Sea and divide it. Verse 21. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the Red Sea. And the Lord swept the sea back. Moses had to obey. They needed water. Exodus 17, verse 6, Moses strike the rock. And Moses did so. And water gushed forth. Listen, miracles have to do with our obedience. Jesus, Jesus, his first miracle was at a wedding. He turned the water into wine. John 2, verse 7 said, Jesus said to the servants, Fill the water pots with water. So they filled them up to the brim. Verse 8. Then he said to them, draw some some out now and take it to the head waiter. Verse 9. And when the head waiter tasted the water, which had turned into wine, he called the bridegroom. They had to go get the water pots. They had to fill them with water. Listen, there is things that God wants us to do. We want miracles. We can pray in the corner all day long for a miracle. But until we're willing to obey, until we're willing to do what God has asked us to do, we're just having magical thinking. Because we need to be obedient. We have to be faithful. Come on, people. Come on. Let it, the Holy Spirit convict us. He was bringing us into miracle season. Jesus said to Peter, put the nets on the other side. 
Luke chapter 5, verse 4. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon Peter, Put out into the deep water and lower your nets for a catch of fish. Simon replied, Master, we worked hard all night to the point of exhaustion. I am tired, God. I don't even know. I'm, you don't even know how tired I am. And we caught nothing in our nets. But, this is the best phrase, at your word because you say so I don't get it Lord I don't get how this connects to a miracle because what I see it doesn't connect to what you say will happen because I've done it and I'm exhausted but at your word I'll obey your word I will do as you say and lower the nets again verse 6 when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their nets were at the point of breaking. Listen, we have to obey God's word, God's word to us. And I'm not, I'm talking the scripture and I'm also talking when he sends his prophetic word to you and you know it and you know it and it could be sacrificing. It could be, sometimes it's like humility, causing us to be humble before him. It's a season of miracles. And in that season, the Lord's saying, now I'm going to ask you to do things. So that miracle is going to flow through your obedience. Come on. That miracle is going to flow through your obedience. What? That miracle is going to flow through your obedience. It's not outside of you. It's going to flow from your obedience. Doing what the word of the Lord has said for you to do. So if you're saying, I'm stepping into those miracles. I need a miracle. Okay, guess what? It's time to obey. It's time to surrender. It's time to sacrifice. It's time. It's time. It's time. This is the Lord says, I've set you up for a miracle. I've set you up for a miracle. Now obey me. Now obey me because the miracle power is going to flow from your obedience. It's going to flow. My power, my supernatural power. You've tried to get things done in the natural realm. You've exhausted your resources. You've exhausted yourself. And the Lord says, now just simply obey at the sound of my word. I want you to obey. And that miracle is going to flow. And why? For my glory, for the history in your life so that you can point to it and say, hey, kids, look what God did there. Hey, kids, look what God did there. Hey, kids, you were with me when God showed up. Hey, next generation, look, our God is a true and living God. Hey, enemy, tremble at my God. Hey, enemy, my God is greater. Hey, world, hey, world, my God is greater. He's able to do the impossible. Come on, you need something impossible? You need a miracle? You need, even with the stuff that's going on in California, come on, we need miracles. Come on, we need the fires to stop. We need the rain to come. We need the, the coronavirus to be swept out of this state. Come on, there's power in God. There's power in our prayer. There's power in our surrender. There's power in our obedience. There's power in our faith. Come on. There's power in the name. Come on, worship team. There's power in the name of Jesus. 
Let's pray, Lord. We're going to surrender to you, Lord Jesus. We're stepping into the supernatural. We're stepping into the dependence upon the supernatural realm. We're stepping into the dependence upon our faith in you that you can do for us what no man can do. What we cannot do for ourselves, you can do for us, Lord. For your glory. As your children, Lord, we surrender. Lord, may we not be like Naaman who battled his pride and almost kept him from the miracle. That pride can keep us from the miracle. That self-sufficiency, that pride, I'm too good for that. I'm too good for this. I'm too good for that. How dare that entitlement. Lord, I pray, Father, to break that off of us. Break that off of us. May we be humble in your sight. Humble before you, Lord Jesus. Surrendered before you. Obedient, Lord Jesus. Out of our love for you, Lord. You so desire, your heart's desire is for miracles, signs, and wonders in your land. To show forth your glory. To make your name great. But you want to flow through your children. You want to flow through the obedience and surrender of your children. So Lord, today we surrender ourselves to you. We obey you, Lord. We humble ourselves before you. We humble ourselves before you on behalf of California, this state. This state that we have been so proud of. This golden state. What they call a nation state because of the wealth that has flowed through this state. There's been so much pride here, Lord. So much pride and arrogance in this state, Lord. But on behalf of this state, Lord, your people, we humble ourselves before you. We humble ourselves before you. We will not worship material things. We will not worship bank accounts. We will not worship our own selves and our pride or our families or our accomplishments. Lord, we humble ourselves before you. We submit ourselves before you. And we cry out to you, Lord. We need a miracle. We need a miracle over this state, Lord Jesus. We need the power of God to flow north, south, east, west, Lord. Lord, I pray, Father, that you would stop out by your mighty hand, by your mighty feet, Lord, the fires, Lord, that you would blow, Father, this coronavirus out of this state, Lord. Father, that you said, if my people who humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, they will hear from heaven. And you will forgive our sin. And you will heal our land, Lord. So you, my people, you're asking your people to do this. You said your people. We are your people, Lord. Your people. You're not asking the sinners to do it. You're asking those of us that know of your grace to do this, Lord. So we humble ourselves. And we pray, Lord Jesus. And we turn. Lord, we turn from complacency. We turn, your children turn from compromise. Your children turn from arrogance. Your children turn from sin, secret sin. Lord, we turn, we turn, we belong to you. We belong to you. We are the remnant in this land.
hand and we turn to our mighty God, the supernatural God, the miraculous God. And we know and our faith is in you, Father. And we thank you because you are a good God. You are a loving God. You are a gracious God. You are a merciful God. You are a powerful God. You are all sufficient God. We thank you, Lord, your precious name. Amen. Woo, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Woo. Power of God is great right now. The word of the Lord is going forth. And it's powerful. I feel it. Feel the power of God in this place. Praise the Lord. Hey, I want you to stay connected with us. The weekly e-newsletter, which we tell you Friday, please stay connected. Read it. There's new information every week in there. We still have our Wednesday night groups going on, men's, women's, youth, life groups. I know that we had to suspend them because of the smoke, because we have to meet outside, but it looks like maybe we'll be able to reconvene that, so just check with your leader on that. But get be a part of a small group. It's very important for your spiritual development and accountability. Pastor David and I, every year, we go into a season, a time, every year around this time, of two weeks of unplugging. Two weeks where we unplug completely and we spend time with the Lord and each other. That's it. Just the Lord and each other. And we go to a place of solitude. And Pastor David sends out a daily devotional every day except for Sunday. And he will have those queued for you Monday, Wednesday, and Friday while he's gone. But it won't be every day because he's getting them ready to, to uh, queue before he leaves. But So you'll just get them Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. The fill to the brim, if you've listened to the last one on Saturday, you'll find out that it's going to be on hold for two weeks. You won't see me. You won't hear from me for two weeks. And I want you to revisit the words that the Lord has given to us over the last few months. I'm sure there's over a hundred words out there. And I want you to revisit and remember what the Lord has spoken. I don't want you just to, you know, get stale or say, well, I'll just wait until Pastor Lynn gets, gets back and then she'll fill me up and I'll be nice and dry for her. No, I want you to be filled every day still. And you can revisit those things, okay? Filled to the brim. Our sermons are online. You can check those out. They're in our e-newsletter. We're still raising money for our video equipment. We've raised $6,130. We need $8,870 to go. We're almost 50% there. But come on, we got to get this video equipment purchased before we start meeting inside. Okay? So there is a timeline. There will be a time when we'll meet inside again. I prophesy right. that. And therefore, let this be a prophetic act on our part, okay? Pastor David and I have advertised that there's a ma massive change in the IRS regarding charitable giving deductions. Look into that. Um, and, and we have more of that information in the e-newsletter. But this is a special year to give charitably. And it's going to really help with your taxes. Um, rather than giving taxes to the government, why don't you give your resources to the church or the kingdom of God? There's lots of ways to give. And as you know, we always have something out there for you to give to. Because we believe God blesses you.
for the sake of expanding his kingdom. Not so that you can have more stuff and more uh, storage sheds and more closets and bigger homes and hoarding and la, 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 la. No, it's for God's kingdom. Now, you can have stuff. I'm not preaching against stuff. What I am preaching is what's the priority, okay? Right? What's the priority, all right? So I want you to think about that and pray about that and also consult your tax person, whoever's your financial manager and all that, okay? Because we're not them. You need to consult and make sure how it works, okay? We have a missionary partner we highlight. It's Mark and Daylene Good. They're in France. They just got there, and they're doing a powerful work. Um, They have a church plant, but they also have a campus ministry there, and they reach uh, Muslims in France. They reach many types of people who are very, um, who reject um, the gospel, and they are targeting people who would be hard to reach, and God is giving them a harvest. Keep them in your prayers. As you know, I've been um, encouraging giving to the Makai house, and you're saying, do we need a miracle? Yeah, more than you know. We've raised $41,000, which I think is pretty good, but we need $100,000, and I'm believing God for that. And I'm believing God is going to move on your hearts. Please keep this work, the Mackay House, in your prayers. You know, the enemy does not, I'm just going to tell you, the enemy does not want this Mackay House to be purchased and to be a fortified stronghold of life in northern India. Because, see, it's like Jesus Christ is putting a flag, a banner of life in northern India. Now listen, in northern India, there has never been a great move of God. Southern India has had a great move of God. Northern India, what we we call the frontier for the gospel. Frontier means it's never had the great move of God that many nations on this earth have had. So when we're saying that there's a house for life going forth, this is the first of its kind in the history of India. Do you realize that? So what, this is groundbreaking, but it's not just groundbreaking because there's a facility, but there's a spiritual thing going on here. It's beyond a house to help women and children. It's that, but there's something greater going on in the spiritual atmosphere, see? And that's why I am promoting this because I know that there's something big going on in the heavenly realm that's going to open up something. And that's why there's such warfare over this. And I am calling us all out to give. I'm calling you out to give. You're saying, well, you know, Pastor Lynn, it's a coronavirus. We're having all these things. Yeah, guess what? I live, I'm, I'm with you in that. But you know what? When we sacrificially give, there's something powerful that happens in our lives. There's something powerful. That's when we go into miracle status. That's when we go into supernatural. When it's there to give, that's one thing. But when it's sacrificial, that's a whole nother story. That's a whole nother story. And there's something about this season. And listen, I don't say this to manipulate you. If you don't want to give, if you don't think the Holy Spirit wants you to give, don't give. Don't give 
I'm not going to go around and go, oh, you didn't give and you didn't, you know, that's not my business. My business is to declare and to, to decree what the Lord is speaking on my heart. And I know that there are people that, that they are to give because there's something that God is going to do, not just in this home and, and in a spiritual atmosphere for northern India, but there's going to be something God's going to do in your life. There's going to be a new authority that the Lord is going to have you walk in. There's going to be a new level of blessing that the Lord is going to have you walk in. There's going to be something that's going to break forth in your, in your life. I just know it. I just know it. I just know it's like a pivotal point for you. It's like a juncture. It's like a crossroads for your spiritual walk with the Lord. Because I'll tell you what, it's not about money. It's not about money. It's about something else. God may use that, but it's not about that. And I am asking that you prayerfully consider. And and the fact is this. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. You know know how I know when the Holy Spirit speaks to me? Is when he tells me something I don't want to do. (laughs) I'll tell you that much. It's like... That's how you know it's the Holy Spirit because I wouldn't really choose to do this. And most of us right now would not choose to give a sacrificial gift right now. So if the Lord's speaking it to you, you don't have to go and double, you don't have to go double guess it. It's, it is the Holy Spirit. So I want to encourage you to do that. And one more last thing. There's this thing that if you got my newsletter and it's actually in the e-newsletter for Crossroads, it's called the, um, the Wall of the Remembrance the cloud of witnesses, wall of remembrance. And I want you to consider, some of you, this is really important. And I, I kind of had confliction in my spirit whether I should say it, but I know the Holy Spirit would have me say this. The Lord laid upon my heart that in the Mackay House garden, they called the yard the garden, that there would be a wall and it would have the names of children that have gone before us who are the cloud of witnesses over this home, the great cloud of witnesses, okay? And the Lord showed me the names would go on that wall as a sign of the presence of God that these children have gone before, and they're in the presence of God. They're alive. Those children that have died, whether that child was maybe before you were a Christian and you had an abortion, I'm going to tell you that child is in the presence of the Lord. And that child belongs to you. And that child is your child. And you say, well, Pastor Lynn, it was before Christ and I never named that child. Guess what? It's time to name that baby. That baby is to be named. And I want you to give a sacrificial gift for that child because the Lord is going to restore something to you. I just feel really strong. It's kind of hard to say this because I know it's sensitive, but the Lord said, I, I'm a redeemer. And for you, woman or man, because some of you men have had, a, maybe it's a girlfriend in the past or something that's happened in the past where this was your child, that the Lord says, I want to redeem that. And, and you know it's there. It's something that has been in your memory and in your thoughts, maybe even daily. You don't talk about it. But the Lord is saying, I am coming to redeem something. See, what the enemy has come, came to kill, steal, and destroy way back when, even before Christ came in your life. Now I'm going back to redeem it. Right now, I'm going back to redeem it because that child is in my presence. And he's in the great cloud of witnesses saving babies' lives. 
you don't have to belong to this church to give to this. You don't have to be a, a charismatic Pentecostal. To give. You can be a good Catholic. But I just really feel it's a time of redemption. There's others of you that have children, maybe a miscarriage. And, and in, in the day, now we, we deal with miscarriages much better than we have in the past. But in the day, you were not allowed to grieve that baby. And you weren't allowed to name that baby. And the Lord is saying, you are to name that baby. And you are to say, you know what? What was stolen from me, the Lord is redeeming in this. Okay? And then those of us have lost loved ones. It doesn't have to be your child. It could be a friend's child. It could be an older child. It could be a teenage child. It could be an adult child. But I really believe the Lord has something super powerful in this. And I really want you to consider and pray about it. Don't do it because I'm saying it. Don't do it for me. Don't do it for Pastor Lynn. Do it because the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. Okay, that's, that's how it works around here. It has to be from the Holy Spirit to you. But I feel like I'm a messenger for this. There's one other thing I'm going to say and then I'm going to be done. Because you don't, won't hear about it for a while. So good for you, right? Um, I believe that there is somebody that's supposed to give a substantial gift to the Mackay house. And most of you go, I don't have a substantial gift. You know, don't worry about it. But let's pray that whoever that is, that they release it. And I believe God has given you that money. And you have it. You have it. It's almost not a sacrifice. And I believe it's about $50,000 you're to give. And I felt this way way before I even committed to this Makai house. And I felt like I had to call it out. And today, I'll have to tell you, if you knew how I felt today, you know it's the Holy Spirit having me call this out. But I believe that there's somebody that's supposed to give $50,000. And um, you have it. You have it. You don't need to refinance your house to get it. You have it, and you know you have it. But it's somebody that's supposed to give it. That doesn't mean none of you else should give. That just means that there's somebody. And today the Lord said you need to call it out because they need to hear with a confirmation by the word of the Lord that um, that's supposed to happen. They need that confirmation. So I'm just sending this word to you. You already know and it's a confirmation to you, okay? And you know what? That's between you and the Lord. I don't know who you are. I don't know who the name. I just know the amount and I know that I'm supposed to say it on this day. All right, we're going to pray now. We're going to pray over our tithes and offerings. Lord, we believe you, Lord. You are a miracle-working God. You are unleashing your power. You're unleashing your miracles. Lord, we believe what you say. We will obey what you say. And Lord, we can expect you to do what you have said you would do. Now, Lord, take our tithes and offerings as we have given them to you and multiply them for your kingdom in your name. Amen. God bless you, Pastor David. Thank you, worship team. You got some props from India and Nepal today. So thank you. Hey, we're glad you're with us this morning. And uh, we are in the middle of doing a series uh, on, it's entitled, The Names of God. And this morning, I want to talk to you specifically. Lord, really, I was kind of torn between a couple passages of Scripture to, to talk to you about. And uh, the one that I feel, there's some, you got that, Randy? You got it, thank you. Um, there's some uh, two, two messages I was really struggling with, and the Lord really laid on my heart this morning to talk to you about 
uh, the spirit of prophecy, because one of the things that God wants to do is he wants the prophetic voice to go forth so that Jesus can be lifted up. And we've been studying the names of God. I think we're on like 20 or 21, something like that. Uh, there's only uh, 300 and some to go, so we'll, we'll be on this for a while. Uh, we don't know how long we'll be dealing with this. But I want to talk to you this morning. And if you have your Bibles, you could turn to the book of Revelation. We'll be there in a little bit. But I want to talk to you because why do I believe God wants us to speak about the spirit of prophecy? And let me tell you why. Because the spirit of prophecy reveals who Jesus Christ is. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all mankind unto me. So when we lift up the name of Jesus, he draws, there's a, there's a spiritual force. It's, it's, it's kind of like a spiritual vacuum. It sucks everything up into his presence. And we, we specifically want to address this because we as Crossroads are a prophetic house. We believe that the gifts of prophecy are encouraged in Scripture. As a matter of fact, Scripture in 1 Corinthians 14 says this, Follow the way of love and earnestly desire spiritually gifts, especially prophecy. You see, we have, when we came to this church, you may not know the history of this church. This church was actually a, 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 a church that was founded as a result of a, a, a revival in San Jose, California in the early 1900s by Amy Simple McPherson. She was a very prophetic woman. She was a woman that had an anointing on her life uh, for the gift of, of, of the Spirit. And as a result, when you, I, I believe there's what we call a spiritual DNA of any church. And you have to find out what that spiritual DNA is because it unlocks the anointing that is on that, that specific uh, church and congregation. And so we are a prophetic church. We believe there have been prophetic words spoken over this church. There is a prophetic anointing that rests upon this church. We have teams that have been trained prophetically. Every year when we do our, our conference on the Holy Spirit, we have prophetic teams that prophesy over people. And it's amazing the testimonies we get every single year when the, our teams who have never met some of these people, because people come from all over for it, they've never met them, but yet we prophesy specifically to a situation and circumstance that they're facing. And so with that, we, we want to raise up our prophetic people. You know, Pastor Sandy is doing a stellar job with the children. Uh, we are going to raise up a prophetic generation of children that children can prophesy. And I don't know about you, but I've had, I've had children, five, six, seven-year-olds, that have prophesied uh, over my life that were more accurate than some adults. You know why? Because they don't have all the filters of what you shouldn't and shouldn't say or should say to people. They just say what the Lord's spell, saying to them, and they download it and speak it. So this morning, I want to talk to you about that because it's interesting when you look at Scripture, specifically the Old Testament, there are over 400 passages that prophetically speak of the coming of the ministry of Jesus. They, they're from Genesis through, through the, the book of Malachi. There are over 400. Actually, I think the number is 414 to be precise verses that specifically prophesy the coming of Jesus and the ministry that Jesus will have. So the whole foundation of Jesus's ministry is built upon the prophetic word. So I want to talk to you this morning. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me before we get to the, the book of uh, Revelation. I will be there in a minute. But I want, want to look at the book of John. In John chapter 20, verse 31, 
there's a passage that talks to us about the importance of the prophetic. It says this, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have what? Life in his name. You see, there's a power that comes by belief in Jesus Christ. There's a power that comes through the anointing of the proclamation of Jesus' name over your life. And that anointing brings life. And you're not going to have just life. You're going to have life with abundance. You're going to have effervescent life. You're going to have like a life that overflows into all areas. Why? Because everything that Jesus touches brings life. Everything that Jesus is about is about life. Anything that is a spirit of death is not a spirit from Jesus, but anything that is a spirit of life brings glory to God. And so I want to challenge you. Why do we talk about Jesus' name? When you think about it in Scripture, what's so important about Jesus' name? Everything. It's, it's life. It gives us everything. There is power in the name of Jesus. In the Gospel of Matthew, in the first chapter, in the 21st verse, it says that, that she will give birth to a son, and you shall call him the name Jesus. Why? Because he will save people from their sins. There's something about the name of Jesus that is redemptive. There's something about the name of Jesus that is powerful. There's something about the name of Jesus. I don't know about you, but I've been in situations. I was just telling someone the other day, I'm, I'm a chaplain for our local police department now, and uh, I was getting a, a, a hat made with my name on it, and, and I was talking to the person that that's, was going to embroider my name on the back of the, the cap. And uh, I don't know what brought the story up, but we were talking, and I said, you know, I'm actually a living person that should be dead. There's been several instances in my life where I should have died. One of them was I was at a party. It was between my senior year of, of high school and my freshman year of college. And I was at a party, and someone got into a disagreement. I was escorting the one person out of the, the situation. And while we went out to the car, I felt something hit me. I turned around, and a guy stuck a pistol to my forehead and pulled the trigger. Nothing happened. You know? How did that happen? I don't know. I thank God it did. My wife did. My kids are thankful it didn't happen too, you know? But I, I shouldn't be alive right now. And I know that at that point, God was doing something because I had a church that, that was was praying and, and praying for me and asking God to protect me because there was a prophetic anointing on my life to do things for the Lord. And I tell you that one of the things that Jesus does, he gives you the prophetic anointing to be able to see things that may not yet be, uh, be happening. And I believe that one of the things God wants to do is he wants to pour forth a prophetic spirit upon us as his people, his sons and daughters. It says in the last days, he's going to pour out his spirit upon all flesh. Sons and daughters will prophesy. There will be a, a release of that in the world. There will be a release of that in the church. There will be a release of that. And one of the things that happens is when the prophetic voice of God is spoken, it says this, that Jesus is going to be lifted up. And what happens when Jesus is lifted up? Look at what Philippians tells us. In the book of Philippians, chapter 2, verse 10, it says that at the name of Jesus, every knee. Do you hear me? Well, I, I'm not, I'm not going to serve Jesus. I'm going to do what I want. Well, let me tell you something. You're either going to bow it or he's going to break it. Because every knee shall bow. 
The most arrogant person that doesn't think they need the Lord, their knee is going to bow. The person that thinks they're greater than God, the person that says, well, I'm going to party and I I don't need God, I don't need Jesus, I don't need salvation, I don't need the church, I'm just going to party with the demons in hell. Let me tell you something, you're going to bow your knee and you're going to confess to the glory of God that Jesus Christ is Lord. The word of God is true and we stand upon God's word. So the context of what I want to talk to you about this morning is found in the book of Revelation. In the book of Revelation, I love, I love reading the book of Revelation because it kind of tells you the end of the story. You know, sometimes you, you get overwhelmed with life. Sometimes you're in a situation where life is overwhelming, it's pressing you down, you just feel like you're, you're just buried. But let me tell you, when you read the end of the book, it tells you who the victor is. Because we serve the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And he's going to roar out. He's going to shout out. He's going to proclaim the truth. And the book of Revelation, in the chapter, chapter 19, it's, it's divided into two sections. The first 10 verses of that book talk about the triumphal entry of the earth. It talks about how uh, the church is in heaven and on earth and how it's going to triumph. And there's going to be a praise to the Lord because he's going to bring his judgment And in verse 10, it says this. In Revelation 19, verse 10, it says this. At this, I fell at the feet to worship him. But he said to me, don't do that. I am a fellow servant with you and with your brothers and sisters who hold the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. Let me tell you something. I don't care what any politician tells me. I don't care what any political person. I don't care what any law officer would say to me, I will always worship Jesus. We are mandated by scripture to worship Jesus because when we lift his name up, it it creates a spiritual atmosphere around us. And it says this, worship God for it, for listen to this, for it, it is the spirit of prophecy who bears testimony of Jesus. Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. Now, when you read the second portion of this book, you'll see it's a vision about Christ coming forth and destroying the beast, and destroying all of the enemies of God. Something happens when you and I worship Jesus. Something happens when you and I proclaim the word of God, lift up the name of Jesus, and the spirit of the Lord moves into that situation. So I want to talk to you this morning. What is that spirit of prophecy? When we're looking at Revelation 19, verse 10, what is it that is the spirit of prophecy who bears testimony of Jesus? Well, if you understand what the word of prophecy means, the word prophecy means to speak forth. It literally means to speak forth something before it happens. It, it, it's, it's not necessarily uh, predicting an, a time and event, although that may happen, but it's really speaking forth what God's plans and intentions are. I don't know if you've ever had a prophetic spirit come upon you where you you just begin to prophesy to someone. You may know it. They may know it. You may not know it. They may know it. You know, it's one of those things where we don't have to have the full revelation. We just need to be obedient to say what the Lord is saying to us. And I remember as a young believer, I was in college and and I was sitting with someone in the spirit of God. Now I could identify it. Back then, I didn't know what it was. But I felt like I should say something to someone, and I did. And as I did that, it unlocked something in their life that was bound up. There was a, a, a bondage in their life that the Lord used me, and I never, I, I didn't know this person. I had never seen them, and I never saw them afterwards. But God still used me to communicate his plan and purpose because he wanted to bring life where there was death. I love that song, uh, Rattle, because it, 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 it talks to us about, and I'm so glad the worship team, you did such a great job, Michael, great singing on that. The worship team 
has been practicing that, and that song is actually taken right out of Scripture. It's taken out of 2 Kings chapter 13, and it talks, it's interesting because Elisha had been dead for a year. Do you know that? If you read the text, he'd been dead for a year, and I don't know if you've ever been around a, a, a mortician or a graveyard, but after a year, a body's pretty, pretty much, especially in the, the desert, it's going to be pretty good, Right? It's going to be ripe. It's going to be, you know, the, the animals, all the whatever is there are going to get it. It's going to be. But when they laid that, that unnamed man on his body, instantly his body was rejuvenated. Why? Because there was a prophetic anointing upon his body, Elisha. He had a double portion of his, of his leader. And for, for 30 years, Elisha led a prophetic generation. And I believe that God is raising up a prophetic generation in this house that is going to speak forth the word of God in such a powerful way. We're going to see signs and wonders and miracles are going to happen like we have never seen before. Why? Because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is life. And I tell you, one thing God wants to do is he wants to pour out life through us. So some of you may say, well, you know, prophecy, I don't know if prophecy really is, is an, uh, a current gift. You need to start reading my, my devotional because we're going right now, I think I'm on 58 or 59 devotions on the fullness of the Spirit. And the, the, the gift of prophecy is such a predominant gift that's listed. It's listed in, in both in the book of Romans and in the book of Corinthians. And it tells us that we should earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. Why? Because prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. It is the proclamation of who Jesus is. Jesus said he's going to give us the advocate. He's going to give us the gift that the Father had promised to us, and he's going to pour out the gifts of the Spirit, not just on the apostles, but on generations to come. And that's why the, the Scripture says in the book of Acts, in the last days, I'm going to pour out my Spirit upon whom? All flesh. Now look around. Who is all flesh? You know, one of our singers is from Alabama. It's y'all. That's who it is. It's y'all is all flesh. We believe that God's Spirit is going to pour out upon all flesh, sons and daughters, young and old, educated, uneducated, wealthy and poor. It doesn't matter who you are. God wants to pour His Spirit about, uh, out upon all flesh. And one of the things that's going to happen is when that happens, there is going to be a power that is released in you. How do I know that? Because Scripture says that when Jesus in the Gospel of Luke, one of the first things that happened in Luke chapter 4, verse 14, after Jesus began his ministry, it says that he returned to Galilee in what? In not the power of his own flesh, but in the power of the Spirit. And there is something dynamic that happens to you and I when we allow the Spirit of the living God to flow through us. You know, there, there is a thing that happens. It's called the crucifixion of the flesh. You know, no one likes to be crucified. No one likes their flesh crucified. But in the crucifixion is the release of the power of God in your life. And I believe that one of the things God wants to do is he's stirring up people that want to be radically energized to do the things that he's called them to do. The same old, same old for church is over, folks. I hate to tell you that. The way things used to be 
is not the way it's going to be. God is raising up an army. God is raising up men and women that for years have been sitting in church pews and all of a sudden they're energized by the power of the Holy Spirit in such a way that they're transformed, not just by the renewing of their mind by the word, but the renewing of their purpose, the renewing of their passion, the renewing of the calling of God upon their life, that the things that they've done for so long are going to be paled in comparison to what God wants them to do. And so what happens? When we are people of the Spirit, just like Jesus was empowered by the Holy Spirit, one of the things that happens to us is we are given spiritual authority. We are given authority that some other people may say, well, you don't deserve that. You know, you haven't gone to seminary. Let me tell you something. I'm glad I went to seminary, but I had to unlearn some of the stuff I learned in seminary. Because seminary sometimes teaches you a form and a ritual, but it doesn't teach you the power of God. It doesn't teach you how to flow in the Spirit. It doesn't teach you how to operate in the things of the Spirit. It's intellect. And I thank God that I have a great education. I thank God my wife has a great education. But I'll tell you what it really comes down to. Are you walking in the things of the Spirit? There is a difference between people who know things and people who flow through things. And God wants you and I to be people who flow through things in the Spirit. That doesn't diminish the, the, the fact that we have to study the Word of God. But just like the, the, the Gospel of John in chapter 6 says in, in verse 63, the Spirit gives life. The Spirit gives life. You see, our flesh counts for nothing. The Spirit gives life, and the words that Jesus has spoken to us are spirit. So we need to fan into flame the things of the Spirit in our life. And when we fan into flames of the things of the Spirit in our life, we begin to flow in the prophetic anointing that God has. So what is the purpose of prophecy? What is the purpose that God has given a prophetic word to the church? You see, because I believe that one that there is a, there's a truth here. Look at 1 Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, the third verse, it says this. But the one who prophesies speak to people for their strengthening, encouraging, encouraging, and comfort. I believe the gift of prophecy is so needed, especially right now. We live in a time where everything is about tearing people down. Everything's about tearing people down. Tearing down this group. Tearing down that group. Tearing down this organization. Tearing down that organization. I am so tired of it. We need people who are going to speak life not death. If life and death is in the power of the tongue, then we need to be people that speak life to situations. Remember what it says in, 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 in the gospel? It says, or excuse me, not in the gospel, but in, in the first Corinthians chapter 14, it says, first of all, follow the way of love. You see, love baptizes you in a presence of the Lord. Where the presence of the Lord is, there is a power of love. And that power of love allows you to flow in the things of the Spirit. And that's why we earnestly desire spiritual gifts, specifically the gift of prophecy. Because what happens is we are going to flow in the things of the Spirit. And when you flow or are flowing in the things of the Spirit, your words will edify, encourage, and exhort others. Your words will strengthen people. Your words will build people up. Your words will be a, a, a source of sustenance spiritually to people people. They may not even know what you're, you're speaking to them, but something deep inside of them is stirred up. That's why the gift of prophecy is so important. One of the things I've, I've found is that many times when I'm speaking to people, I can be prophesying to them and, not e and them not even knowing it. But what I'm doing, I'm breathing life into them. You know, I, I love the stories in the Old Testament. You know, Elisha, I love that song, Rattle, for many reasons. But the, the story of Elisha is really one of my favorite stories in the Old Testament because, you know, if you, if you read the story of Elisha's life, kids were making fun of him because he was bald. 
Do you know that? You know, those of us that are so follically challenged, we don't have to worry about having a bad hair day. And what happened? He called down a curse upon them, and two female bears come out and mauled the kids. So you better be careful what you say about bald people because the Spirit of the Lord can come upon us and we can call down the fire of God, you know? Why? Because life and death is in the power of the tongue, right? So what we want to do is we want to be people who don't use our our prophetic voice to, to destroy people, but we use our prophetic voice to build them up. And one of the beautiful things when you read through Scripture specifically when it's talking about the gifts of the Spirit. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 31, and in chapter 14, verse 1, it says the same thing. It says, earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Now, why is it so important that we desire this? Well, the wording that's used there is, is the word, it's, it, it literally means be zealous or burn for. Have such a, a, a passion for it. Now, what happens when there's a fire? Everything is consumed, right? If you look at a fire, Cal Fire map for the state of California, it's just the whole state is with flames, right? What's happening? Everything in the path of the fire is being consumed. Well, let me tell you something. Spiritually, we need to be consumed in all areas of our life. You cannot partition out a section of your life and tell the Lord, you can't get in there. That's off limits to you because that is not lordship. That's, you may have a savior, but you don't have a Lord. And what the Lord wants to do is he wants to come into every area of your life and bring life to it. And some of the things in your life and my life have to die. We have to crucify our flesh so that Christ can live in us. And when we do that, then the Spirit of the Lord comes into us in a powerful way. And that's why in the book of Acts, when we read the book of Acts, in chapter 2, it says this. Listen, in the last days, which I believe we're very close, we're a lot closer to the last days now than when I came to faith. You know what? And for some of us, you may say, well, we don't know when when the Lord is going to come. That church has been waiting 2,000 plus years, but it could be tomorrow. It could be in a twinkle of an eye, one one one-hundredth of a second, and the Lord could return. We don't know when he's coming back for all of us or some of us, but we do know this. In the last days, Scripture says, that I will pour out my Spirit upon all people who all people. Who's gonna, who is it going to be poured out upon? He says, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Young men will see visions. Old men will dream dreams. You know why old men dream dreams, Michael? Because we take naps in the afternoon. We take naps in the afternoon and we dream dreams. I tell you, God wants to give us a prophetic anointing upon our life so that we can walk in the power of the Spirit. And then it says, even on your servants, both men and women, I'm going to pour out uh, on, on, uh, my Spirit upon them in those days, and they're going to prophesy. You see, there is a prophetic anointing that comes upon people when they're filled with the Spirit. You know, if you look through Scripture, Scripture's full of a lot of great stories of people. And one of the things that is amazing, if you look at the book of uh, Luke and the Gospel of Luke, there was a woman named Anna in, in Luke chapter 2, verse 36. It tells a little bit about her. And it says this, There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Peniel, from the tribe of Asher. She was very old, and she lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then was a widow until she was 84. And she never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Now, it's interesting. I, 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 you know, when I was young... I never thought I'd get old. Now that I'm getting old, I remember sometimes what it was like to be young. But the one thing I do know is age is not a prohibitor for operating in the gifts of the Spirit. Why? Because Acts chapter 2 says he's going to pour out his Spirit upon all flesh, young and old. 
And age, one of the things that is beautiful about age, you have experience, you can actually mentor younger people in the things of the Spirit. And I love the story of Anna because she was not only a prophetess, but look at some of the characteristics of her life. She spent time at the temple. Day and night, she was there. She was gathered. She was dedicating herself to the things of the Spirit. She was in a place where she, she nurtured her spiritual development, even though she was a widow, even though she was an older woman, even though she, she had some real tragedies in life, she decided that she was going to use her life for the glory of the Lord. And not only that, it says that she waited on the Lord. I believe if she was here this morning, she would get up and worship with us to sing rattle. You know, a couple years ago, my wife and I went to the island of Antigua. We did our spiritual time there, and we went to a church service. You think our services are long? We went to a service that lasted four hours. And four hours, right? It was awesome. We loved it. And there was this one old granny. She got up there, and she had a walker, and she pulled it up. She was sitting about right here, third row back. She pulled it up, parked her walker on the side, and got out in the aisle and was just like, She was just going for it. She was worshiping the Lord with everything that she had. And by the end of the two-hour worship service, not one hour, Rebecca, two-hour worship service, she was up there dancing around, worshiping the Lord. I'll tell you, there's something that happens to you when you become a worshiper. The Lord restores your body. He restores your mind. He restores your spirit. And Anna was one of these people. And how do we know that? Because it talked about her fasting. It talked about her praying talked about her actually proclaiming having a vision of the coming of the Messiah. She was prophesying of the coming of Jesus while she was testifying of everyone uh, to everyone in the temple. And remember, Jesus was just an infant at the time. Anna was speaking prophetically of the kingdom that he was going to have. And so when we think about it, what, what when we think about Anna, I love this, what is the source of prophecy? It's not you and me. You know, I've met people that, that may have prophesied, and they think they have, they have all truth. They know everything. And there's, there's actually prophecies going around right now uh, that I hear on, on Facebook and YouTube and all these things. People prophesy, and they think they're the ultimate authority. Let me tell you something. Just because you have the gift of prophecy doesn't make you the ultimate authority. God's word is the ultimate authority, and we always submit to the word of God. How do we know that? Because scripture warns us in the book of uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3. It says this, for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Why is it important for us to study the word? Why is it important for us not to just be emotive people? And I love emotion. Crucifixion talks about emotion, folks. You have a, nut, a, a spike driven through your hand or a spear stabbed in your side or a crown of thorn put on your head. You're going to feel emotions. But it's not just emotions that we follow. We follow sound doctrine. And it says here, look what it says. It, instead, what do they do? To suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. You know what that's saying? Well, tell me what I want to hear. You know? Tell me what I want, what I really, really, really want. Sorry. Song's coming out of me, you know. <laughs> Some of you just lost it there. Okay, that's okay. What is sound teaching? Sound teaching is being steeped in the word of God. God's word is truth. And what we do, we stand, you know, the, uh, the old song, on, solid, on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. We stand on the word of God. And that's why it's so important for us to be a word-based church. 
I have no problem with the gifts of the Spirit, but I'll tell you what, we will be a word-based church. We will operate according to the biblical teachings, and prophecy specifically is, is instructed in Scripture. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 29, it tells us that two or three people should prophesy, and then there should be an interpretation. Why? There should be an evaluation. It's literally, the, 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 the New Testament says it should be carefully weighed what is said. It's interesting, that word is actually two words. It, it literally means it should be thoroughly looked at forward and backwards and to be judged. So the gift of prophecy, you just don't, oh, Michael, I have a word of prophecy for you. I prophesy, and you have to, oh, great, hook, line, sinker, boat, trailer, house, everything that goes with it. No, you evaluate it through the word of God. Prophecy should never, listen to me, prophecy should never, ever contradict God's word. And if a person tells you they're a prophet or a person tells you they're prophesying and it contradicts the word of God, throw it out like last week's tuna fish. You don't want to have anything to do with it. You want to stay on God's word. And the word of the Lord is true. That's why it's so important for us to be people of the word, people who study the word, people that are in the word. You see, because it's the spirit of God that prophesies through us. We may be the vessel, we may be the, the spokesperson, the spokesman or spokeswoman, but we are just vessels. I like to tell people, all you are is a Holy Spirit rain gutter. You just open your mouth and let the Spirit flow through you. You are not the important thing. The Holy Spirit is the one that is important. We're just a channel that he runs through. And if you won't be used, he's going to find someone else. That's why in 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 2, it says, The Spirit of the Lord spoke through me. His word was on my tongue. You see, the prophet knew that the Spirit of the Lord was just flowing through him. One of the things that we need to be very careful of is that we allow the Spirit of God to put the word in our mouth. That's what Jeremiah says in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 9. He says, The Lord reached out of his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my word, listen to it, it's not Jeremiah's word, it's the Lord's word in his mouth. The Lord puts his word in our mouth so that we can encourage, edify, and exhort other people. One of the beautiful things that happens when you read through Scripture is the prophets continually went back to the word of the Lord. If it was Jeremiah, if it was Samuel, if it was Isaiah, they basically always went back and founded the foundation of what they were speaking upon God's word. You and I need to do the same thing. And one of the things that we have to be very careful of, in these last days, there are a lot of people that are trying to quench the spirit of the Lord. They're trying to tell you, oh, these gifts aren't operational for today. Why are their churches failing? Why are their churches falling apart? Because they're not operating in the things of the spirit. When you operate in the things of the spirit, you are fanning into flame the gift that God has given us. That's why scripture says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, it says, do not quench the spirit. What is quenching the spirit? That's what we're asking Cal Fire to do right now. Put it out. When you quench something, you douse it with water. You, you annihilate it. We are not called to put out the fire of the Holy Spirit. We're called to put out fires in California, but we're not called to quench the Spirit's fire. We're called to fan it into flame. And it also says, listen to this. This is really important. It says, as you continue to read that verse, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, it says, and do not, listen to me, do not despise prophetic utterances. I don't know how much more clear you can be on Scripture, but Scripture says, do not despise prophetic utterances. 
But then it gives a little caveat. We don't take them hook, line, and sinker, but it says this. But examine, listen, examine everything carefully. How do you examine it carefully? You filter it through the written word of God. No prophecy is of the prophet's own invention. It's from the word of God. And if it contradicts the word of God, you and I need to step back from it and say, time out. That's not in alignment with God's word. Now, how does that happen? Well, lots of things happen. You know, people's personal influences can come into play. Their, their agenda can come into play. You know, I, I, I hope everyone that operates in the gifts of the Spirit have a clean spirit, but sometimes people don't. That's why Scripture says, first of all, don't quench it. Don't put out the Spirit's fire. Don't despise it, but examine it. And then it says in the latter part, it hold to that which is good. You know, my wife's father has a great expression, eat the chicken and spit out the bones. Yep. You know, what is, what is good in prophecy? Sometimes there's some good parts, sometimes there's some bones. You know, what do you do when you, you're eating chicken and you get a bone? Sorry, Kim. <laughs> Kim's our chicken lover. This is figuratively, Kim. You spit out the chicken bone, right? You don't eat the bone. Why? Because it's not good for you. It'll get stuck in your throat, you know? We, we, we digest that which is good, and we, we are called to be mature believers who can rightly divide the word of truth. And when you rightly divide the word of truth, what you're doing is you're saying, how does this fall into alignment with the teaching of Scripture? How do I know that this is the, the truth? Well, listen to what Paul, the Apostle Paul, said to young Timothy, the same, the same one that was his mentoree, the same one that he raised up in the things of the Spirit. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15 and 16, he said this, And how from infancy you had heard about the Holy Scriptures, he's talking to Timothy, which were able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All Scripture... All Scripture is God-breathed. And see, this is important. The breath of the Lord is what gives us life. The breath of God's Word is what gives us life. That's why it's important for us to be people of the Word. He says all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching. La, we love to be taught, right? But how many of you like to be rebuked? You know what rebuking is? When you're out of alignment. You know, what you, you know what happens when you get pulled over for doing 85 in a 45-mile-hour zone? A police officer rebukes you for driving fast. He gives you a ticket to remind you of how fast you were going. He clocks you with his radar at 110 in a 55-mile-an-hour zone and impounds your car and takes it to, 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 to a tow yard. Why? Because he's rebuking you for doing something you shouldn't do. Although the, Scripture isn't all about rebuke, it's about teaching it's also about correcting and training us in righteousness. And righteousness is the lifestyle of the person who walks in the favor of the Lord. And it says, so that we, listen to it, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. If you and I want to be people who are operating in the things of the Spirit, we have to be open to correction. We have to be open to, to revision if we're out of alignment. We have to be open to correction from the Word of God. We have to be open for training in righteousness. That's what God's Word declares over us. So I want to challenge us this morning. We are going to be a prophetic house. We're going to be people who operate in the things of the Spirit. We're going to be people that desire the things of the Spirit. And one of the things that we have to be very careful of is I believe we're in the last days. And what Matthew tells us in the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 24, this is, this is the, the word of the Lord to us. Listen to what it says. 
How miserable those days will be for the pregnant and nursing mothers. Pray that your uh, flight will uh, not occur in the winter or in the Sabbath. For the time there will be a great tribulation, unmatched from the beginning of the world until now, and never have been seen again. In those days, had not been cut off shortly, no one would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. And at that time, if anyone says, look, here is a Christ or there is one, do not believe it. For false Christ and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders, and they will deceive even the elect if that were possible. See, I have told you in advance. One of the things we have to be careful of in these last days, we have a lot of people out there proclaiming themselves to be speaking the word of God to us. We constantly have to go back to the written word. What does the written word say? Now, I'm not trying to dis- dis- dispel the prophetic gift, but I want us to be people who operate biblically. I want us to be people who know the word and where are no inside and out what the word says. And I want to challenge us as a, as a group of believers that we will operate in the things of the spirit. We will develop a spiritual understanding of God's word that will be a rock for us to build upon. Worship team, come on up. We're going to close in a prayer here in a minute. I want to challenge us right now that if you are desirous of the things of the spirit, right now, I just want to open up our spirits to him. Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would come right now, wherever we're at, Lord, we may be sitting in our home, we may be listening in our car, we may be uh, sitting with friends, we may be listening to this live, or we may be listening to it in a replay. But God, the one thing I do know, that you want us to eagerly and earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. And I pray that right now, Lord, your Holy Spirit will baptize each of us with the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray that, God, we would be sons and daughters that follow what it says in the book of Acts, that, Lord, you're going to pour out your Spirit upon all flesh, that your sons and daughters will prophesy. I pray, God, for a stirring deep within us, that we become people of your word word like we've never been before. I pray that, God, we we meditate upon the word both day and night, and we do everything that's written according to it. And I pray that, God, there would be an outpouring upon us, that, God, we would be people who speak prophetically to our nation. I pray that, God, our words would be built upon the, the foundation of the scripture. I pray that our words would be built upon the name of Jesus, that every prophetic statement we make will lift up Jesus. Lord, I pray that, Father, as we speak forth your word to people, that they will be encouraged, they will be edified, they will be exalted, Lord, they would be lifted up into your presence in such a way that we're transformed. And I pray that, God, you would stir us deep within our spirits to not hold back when your spirit's speaking to us to say something to someone else. God, I pray you would give us a boldness like the apostles in the book of Acts. I pray that, God, you would stir us like like Peter who was in timid and, 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 and would say things out of place, that, God, you would fine-tune our words in such a way that we would speak with such clarity and such boldness, people will wonder what happened to us. And, God, I pray you would baptize us with a spirit of prophecy. God, from the youngest member listening to the oldest person in this church, Lord, we pray that you would pour out your spirit with signs and wonders upon us as we as we stand in these last days. And Lord, we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Pastor David, for the word about Christ, who's the spirit of prophecy, is to give honor to Christ. 
One thing as the worship team was singing the response song, may this word be an encouragement to you to be a prophetic generation and not, don't allow the enemy to use it to shut you down, okay? In other words, you do not have to do it perfectly, all right? Some of you are like, oh, I don't know, Pastor David, I don't know if I can do I'm afraid I'm going to say the wrong thing. You know what? That's from the enemy. He wants to shut you down. Don't you, don't you receive that. In the last days, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and you will prophesy. He's commanding you to do it. You do not have to be perfect in it. You don't have to do it perfectly, okay? So in this word of instruction, be reminded that it's a grace gift that you've given, that you have, there is grace. And you know what? You won't do it perfectly. I'm going to guarantee you, I never have done it perfectly, but the Lord still uses it because he breathes on what you're saying. He'll breathe on what you're saying, even in the imperfection. All you have to do is have a willing heart and a pure heart of love, and it's going to be all okay. That's all it takes. Just say, Lord, use me in my imperfection. Lord, you will breathe upon that word because it brings glory to Christ. It brings glory to Christ, and the world around you needs the breath of God. He needs the breath of God through your lungs into this world to breathe life on people to breathe his word to people it's very personal word to people so just want to encourage you in that to walk in it and do not give in to the enemies trying to maybe condemn you because you're not perfect okay that is not the truth this is a grace gift his grace being poured out upon us and through us okay Let's pray. Lord, we thank you, Father, that you, through your Holy Spirit, has given us power and authority. Through your Holy Spirit, it is not our power. It's not our authority. We are entrusted to this power and authority because of the Holy Spirit that dwells in us. And Lord, we don't need to fear walking in that. We don't have to fear being perfect, Lord. We don't have to be perfect. We are uh, in Christ. We dwell in Christ. And Lord, you are saying, I am sending that fresh outpouring for you to walk in the things of the Spirit to be my voice to the people around you. And Lord, I pray for those who may feel clammed up or fearful or Lord we bind that and Lord we say we release Father that spirit of prophecy on them Lord that they would open their mouths you said you would fill it and Lord that they would speak forth your word yes in their way in their personality Lord you use vessels you use vessels you use Peter you use John you use Andrew you use us Lord and we thank you Father and this day this day this season this time Lord you have raised up prophetic generation with a double portion Lord and I pray that double portion would go forth through the lives of the people listening to this word today 
we thank you Lord we thank you Lord for the season of miracles that you're giving us and you're going to use us Father in our willingness and in our obedience to be used by you to see those things happen for your glory and we thank you Father in your precious name amen God bless you have a great week let's just keep praying for California amen